0: Good evening, everybody. I'm Brett L That's Coach Bruce, and this is The Coach Approach. Coach, how you doing, man? It's It's, it's been a while. It's been, uh, obviously, we've talked, we've texted and so forth, but uh, last show we did was the night before the draft, and uh now I feel like uh, we're here right before the night, before the start of the season. Excited to be here again and uh, love to be able to ch- uh, talk football with you, Coach. Oh,
1: man, I, mi- I missed you, bro. and it, It's it's funny, man. This is, this is like the highlight of the year, right? We don't get to do this podcast in the offseason. We both have crazy schedules and kids going off to college, getting their master's degree and all the other stuff that's going on. But always a joy to get on here and talk football. Now we get down to where we get to find out if our picks – pan out and the guys that we like are, are relevant and, and as good as we think they're going to be this year. So this is a fun time of the year, man.
0: It is a fun time of the year. I I always like this time you, you hear or you read because we're Twitter people. We're on their X people, whatever you want to call us. I mean, that's where I get most of my fantasy information from. And, and uh, you know, you got all these people, all the different takes and so forth. And it's nice now we can kind of get in to see, uh, you know, how it's all going to play out. Yep. Well, let's get right into it, Coach. And just for you guys that are joining us, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Wanted you guys to, before we get into the show, kind of talk about who we are, but more importantly, about what we'll be doing. And uh, we're both former high school football coaches, both longtime Dynasty and Draft fantasy players. Uh, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Dynasty Nerds. You've worked with Yards Per and their uh, website with your – you know, countdown to the top 32 team type of thing that you were doing a couple years ago. Missed it this year. Wish that, uh, or hope that we can get it back on next year. Um, But with that being said, uh, this is our third season. Looking forward to getting into it. We always have a Wednesday night show where we kind of recap the week before, talk about big games coming up, talk about waiver wire pickups. If you're still picking up waiver wire people on a Wednesday night, Um, that's our Wednesday show. And then Really excited. Last year was the first year we're, we're here with Yards Per. You know, Alex Johnson has kind of given us uh, anything we wanted as far as time and when we want to be on the uh, podcast show. And so uh came up with the Sunday start and sit where we also made our picks. And I don't know about you, Coach, but that kind of at the end of the year, that was my. I, I enjoyed that show more than I enjoyed the Wednesday show.
1: Yeah, you know, the Wednesday night shows, you got a Thursday night football game, right? So we we're trying to do it before that Thursday night game so we could highlight that game and starts and sits for that game. So you don't really get a chance to kind of do it again before the oh, the Sunday slate. So now we added that Sunday morning show that we go through all the starts and sits. We're going to be adding DFS this year. We're going to talk about player props that we like and parlays that we like. And so we're going to kind of get into that side of it, too. But yeah, this is I mean, this is the fun time of the year, man. This is. All the hard work in the off-season and all the the podcasts we listen to and the Sirius XM radio and, you know, the first this is the first year I've missed the Fantasy Expo, so I miss seeing everybody there. I was there two years prior, but now we get to kind of find out, you know, hey, rubber meets the road. We're going to find out who's real and who's not.
0: Can't wait. Uh, I'll tell you, I've already got the YouTube uh, subscription for NFL Sunday Ticket all taken forward or taken care of. All I got to do now is just get to next Sunday. But before we do that, let's get into it because we always start with every show with the news that's kind of gone down. And if, unless you were underneath the rock the last few days, anybody and everybody's been talking about the Jonathan Taylor situation with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he had a little deadline up until yesterday at one o'clock uh, West Coast time where he was able to try and find himself a uh, suitor to trade for. Apparently, there were two teams that made inquiries or made attempts to trade for him. Uh, but he didn't get traded. The Indianapolis Colts decided to keep him. And then not only had that, right afterwards, they decided to keep him on the pup, which means this is terrible for fantasy owners. But we're not going to have him for the first four weeks. And this situation, it, its I'll tell you, if I was you right now and I was drafting, I know you just made a pick right before the show for a redraft league. You're sitting there in the fourth or fifth round. You had a shot to take Jonathan Taylor. And you chose not to. And, and that's kind of it's kind of be the situation up until the season starts with drafters. They they don't really know what to do with them. What are you going to do? And what is your uh, theory on how you would handle uh, Jonathan Taylor as a fantasy owner?
1: I'd say, I mean, I definitely bought the dip. I've been doing drafts since I did one right before the NFL draft in April, which I know a lot of people think is crazy, but it's fun to see how your rookie picks pan out based on the draft. But. Uh, you know, I, I bought the dip, and I, I also had a draft just now. Uh, we were just talking about I made a pick, and we were talking I was on the clock at back-to-back picks at the 3-4 turn from the 1.01, and, and I went with Dak Prescott as my second quarterback, so I've got my home, Prescott. We got a monitor St. Brown I took in round two, and then I was up at the 4.1. Jonathan Taylor sitting on the board. It's a heavy PPR league. There's bonus points for, you know, long receptions and, and those things, and it was Calvin Ridley for me, or it was – uh You know, don't want to take a Travis Etienne, a JT, and maybe try to get that anchor running back. And I chose to, you know, take the wide receiver and go Calvin Ridley. You know, I I just – in redraft, he's going to sit out the four games. It is so toxic in that that situation between uh, the Colts and Jonathan Taylor right now that I don't trust that in redraft. If somehow he's there at the next time in round six, seven turn, then, then yeah, of course. I mean, at that point, I think you're getting some value, even if he doesn't play until week six, especially going into your playoff run and and, and later on in the season. But – to take him in the first four rounds right now in a redraft league, the scoring system the way it is, I wasn't ready to pull the trigger on it. But I, th- I think what's crazy about the Jonathan Taylor thing is, like, first off, it's like for me, I'm like, make it make sense, right? So your running backs right now are Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, and Evan Hall, who I liked in round five out of Northwestern. Uh, in, in the three years that Jonathan Taylor has been in the NFL, he's amassed over 3,841 rushing yards and 33 touchdowns. I don't even have to go into the the, rece- the receiving side of it. That That's enough for me right there at 5.1. 5.1 yards per carry, be like, hey, this guy is an absolute. He's two, one year removed from leading the NFL in rushing. What made the Anthony Richardson pick so exciting was their ability to establish the run game with that offensive line. You open up the RPO. You open up the play action, which for a guy like Anthony Richardson, is something that is beneficial to him. Now, there's no threat in the run game with, with the guys they've got. You know, as much as I love to see these guys play well, I mean, I'm not touching anybody in the Colts backfield right now. I think Anthony Richardson's value comes down a little bit. And so, and, you know, Michael Pittman, and you want to look at the receivers that they've got there too. I was, I was hoping that Alec Pierce would be a guy to contribute a little bit this year. And now it's like, man, I don't want to touch anybody in that offense right now, you know, until this thing plays out. So there's better guys I can get, I think, at better value. So I think the Jonathan Taylor thing is, is very surprising. I think there's things that went on uh, behind closed doors that we're not, we don't have those intimate details that happen. But, you know, the reality is we're in a time right now where the running back position just isn't valued. You you can find a lot of talent every year in the running back. You can get a running back in rounds two and three and four, in some cases, five and six. You don't want to talk about Pacheco. And you can go on and on and on about these guys that are late round, even undrafted free agents that have made a name for themselves in the NFL. And owners just aren't willing to pay that position. You know, I'd rather get a one technique and, and, you know, I'd rather go out and get a playmaker. I'd rather go out and get, you know, somebody to solidify my my defense or take a top corner just the NFL is just not willing to spend money on that position. And and you've seen what's happened with Tony Pollard. You saw what happened with Zeke Elliott. You saw what happened with other running backs in the off season. And for Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to be able to go out there. And the Colts basically put the challenge to him. Like, if you think you're worth more than we're willing to give you, we'll let you test the market. And, you know, you couldn't find any suitors that made it worthwhile. Teams aren't going to give up a first round pick, even for a guy with Jonathan Taylor's talent to make that move. And so it, it's a tough spot for Jonathan Taylor to be in. And I hate it for the NFL. I hate it for the running backs. Um, they're so valuable to a, a good offense. But as long as teams like the Kansas City Chiefs are winning Super Bowls, right, if you look back, when's the last time a, a, a guy that led the league in rushing led a team to a Super Bowl? You just don't see wow. it. You yeah. have teams winning Super Bowls with guys that are not, not not high on the salary cap, man. So it's just those are the times you're in. So it's unfortunate for Jonathan Taylor. I know that, that Jacob Sanderson, you know, hates it as a big Colts fan. And he's one of my, my favorite follows on Twitter. But I know that him and I chat a little bit on, on Twitter. And I know he's not real happy with it. And he doesn't understand it either. So it is what it is at this point. We move on, right?
0: Yeah, you have to. And you you talked about possibly taking him at the five or six turn. Um, I don't even know if I would do that. The, the, the unknowing is really hard to handle for me. And I yeah. would need to know. I need some certainty, and there's really no certainty at all as it relates to Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, let's move on to a trade that did happen. And as uh, this is our third year doing the show, Coach, right? Yep. How many years have you heard me talk about Trey Lance? Three years. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I did Watson. all my work
1: on him going into the draft. So I you know, as a prospect. I graded him out, watched the film. And so, yeah, it's we've been talking about him for three, four years now.
0: So Trey Lance is traded to the Dallas Cowboys for fourth round pick. How this all came about, uh, the day before he gets traded, a couple days before he gets traded, it is, comes out that he was put into uh, basically in the third spot behind Sam Darnold. Everybody knows what happened has happened with good old Trey Lance over his career. He comes out of uh, North Dakota State. He sits behind Jimmy G for a year. He finally gets keys to the car his second year, and unfortunately – he uh, gets hurt in game two. Uh, we've seen very little of him. We don't know if he's good or not good. Um, and in walks Brock Purdy. Uh, San Francisco is able to go all the way to the NFC championship game. Unfortunately, due to injuries or due to a great Philadelphia Eagles team, they're not able to move on to the Super Bowl. But they have moved on from Trey Lance. Um, that's that's, that's given up a lot there. We don't know what it's given up in the player but we certainly know what they gave up in draft picks in order to acquire him uh, big move and with before you get into the dallas side you being the biggest dallas cowboy fan i know just talk about how it all came to this
1: you know that's the crazy part right and, and i think you and i have talked about this too like trey lance was never really given the opportunity to be the guy in my opinion in the san francisco offense You had know, a couple starts last year we, we talked about this earlier The first game of the season at Chicago in a torrential downpour wasn't really a great game to to kind of grade him on. But, you know, you look at this situation and you traded up to get him at the third. You gave up. We could talk about, in essence, you traded multiple first round picks, a third round pick. And Trey Lance, after you acquired him, to just get a fourth round pick to show for it. So it's very, but yet San Francisco's got one of the best rosters in the NFL. They're going to try to make a Super Bowl run this year. So at the end of the day, it was just about, hey, it didn't work for us, whether it was scheme fit, whether it was his inability to. There was times he was hesitant in the pocket, wasn't getting his first read-in time. So now the timing and the rhythm of the offense is off. So, you know, San Francisco, I, I give him credit for at least, you know, admitting and acknowledging that, hey, this is not a, a spot for him. Let's give him an opportunity to catch on somewhere else. And now if you look at it from a Dallas perspective, I'm going to be very clear. Dak Prescott is the QB1 of the Dallas Cowboys. This is a play by Jerry Jones to light a fire under this organization and say, hey, we have had a roster to compete for a Super Bowl for multiple years now, and we have fallen short. We got knocked out in the divisional round uh, two years in a row by your San Francisco 49ers, and it is now time He didn't bring trey lance in to compete with dak prescott to be the starting quarterback in 2023 right he brought him in as a project at only 23 years old to say hey this guy does not have i think he played 18 games in north dakota state right so he doesn't have a lot of game experience underneath him this is a chance for him to learn behind dak prescott who is a very intelligent quarterback he's going to be calling the offense this year michael cars has given him the reign to make the proper checks he has a lot of freedom in that offense so he's the guy. This is a message that Jerry Jones wants to send to the entire locker room. And, yes, it affects the wide receiver room. Yes, it affects the offensive line group. Yes, it affects the defense. Yes, it affects everybody because the way this works in the NFL locker room, Dak is the unquestioned leader of that, that franchise, right? And so now by, by making that move, you put everybody in that locker room on notice. And if I'm a Dak Prescott guy and I support my quarterback – I want to win and help him get to a Super Bowl, and win a Super Bowl so he can be my quarterback for the next five to seven years. It's a rallying cry in that locker room to say, hey, we don't necessarily like it, but we understand as an organization why we did it. We understand why Jerry Jones is making this move. We understand the psychological warfare that's kind of happening right now and the mental games that are being played. But Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. He's got a year. He's taken over play calling. He got rid of Kellen Moore. He's had a top five offense. Um, you've got Tyron Smith and Zach Martin aren't getting any younger. You've got Dan Quinn, who they were able to keep as a defensive coordinator for how much longer. The time to win in Dallas is now, and this was simply a way to say, hey, we're not looking at Trey Lance in 2023. We're looking at beyond that. If Dak is not the guy and can't lead us to a victories in the playoffs and win on the biggest stage, then we're going to take a shot and see if we can't develop this guy. I think it's a smart move. It was smart for San Francisco to finally say we're letting him go, and it's smart on Dallas' part to say, hey, it's worth worth a flyer it's a fourth round pick who ironically they got Dak Prescott on the fourth round out of Mississippi state. We know how that's played out. So I don't have an issue with it at all. And the reality is it was a move that Jerry Jones felt he needed to make. And if it works great, it was a hell of a move. If it doesn't work, there's no harm, no foul. So.
0: I think at the very least, they're going to be able to get that fourth round back in the future. Let's say Dak. Is, no. Let's say Dak does everything you want him to do as a franchise quarterback. If you can develop with this guy, you send him off in a year or two, you're getting at least what you gave up for him back. I think it's a Enough. no no lose situation. And for the other side, we talked about it briefly earlier, and that is that you know San Francisco, they get to reset the clock a little bit too as far as when they have to pay a quarterback top dollar money. They get Brock Purdy who's a year younger in the NFL realm and it allows him to stay cheap for a couple more years and they're able to keep that roster that they, those guys, I mean, they've got big money players all over the field. The reason they can do that is because they got guys on rookie contracts. Now they got a guy on a rookie contract picked with the last pick in the draft. He makes probably, if you and I combine our money, we might be close um, to what Purdy is. Maybe not, but you get my point. All right, let's move on to surprise cuts. And there weren't a lot of them, but there were a couple. And if you were, following Twitter two years ago, and you were looking for a tight end and draft. Everybody was talking about how good Albert O. of Denver was going to be. I'm not even going to attempt to say the last name, but he was cut yesterday. Other guys to be cut, we'll go through all of them real quick, and then you can kind of touch base on the ones that you think are important. Uh, you know, a, a big darling out of Kansas City all summer was generic Prince, running back out of Tulsa. He was cut yesterday as well. Another guy, Dwayne McBride. A lot of people thought that he was going to be able to go in and push. Excuse me, Alex Madison. Um, Colt McCoy was supposed to be the starting quarterback until Kyler Murray comes back. He's cut. Melvin Gordon, who the Ravens brought in late in training camp, he gets cut. And then Robbie chosen. Apparently, he wasn't chosen as Miami cut him. Any of those guys kind of strike a, a surprise in you, or you kind of any thoughts on any of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Dwayne, Dwayne McBride deal, I'm in Minnesota. I, I, you know, Dalvin Cook is no longer there. Um, you've got Alexander Madison in games where he's had to be the RB1. He's played well and he's been fantasy relevant. I think there's some question marks about the long term over the course of a 17-game season. I don't like the depth that they have there. I felt like, you know, but again, we don't know what's on that locker room. We don't know if it's an attitude issue. We don't know if Dwayne McBride just wasn't getting it. You know, the speed of the NFL is much different than what, what you see in college. So I think they make that move. Um, Deneric Prince is a guy that I talked about a little bit, but I felt like it was a nice landing spot there. And, and if they were going to eventually move on from CEH at the end of his rookie contract, that's a guy that might be able to fill in. But so, I mean, those were a little bit surprising. I think the bigger surprises that you didn't bring up was, you know, New England cuts, you've only got one quarterback on the roster with Mac Jones. You look at Detroit they got rid of three running backs and now they've only got Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. There is no third running back and you certainly can't go into week one, but, you know, as Charlie was saying on Sirius XM, and this is this is obvious to anybody that pays attention to the football, there's a lot of signings that are going to happen. There's a lot of guys going to be added to active rosters. A lot of guys going to be added to the practice squad. So these rosters, are, we're still a long way from these rosters being completely filled out. But, you know, those, are, those were a couple surprises. I, I think the Colt McCoy thing was a little bit of a surprise in Arizona. Understand that, that uh, Kyler Murray was not going to be ready. They're certainly tanking for Caleb. It doesn't sound nearly as sexy as tanking for Tua. But about to come up with something. But, you know, they're in the Caleb Williams game. There's, there's been some question marks about Kyler Murray. Um, they put the clause in his contract about having to study film four hours a day. And that didn't go over w- very well. So they had to re- re- redo that. But I, Arizona is, is, is an absolute train wreck right now. It's the worst roster in the NFL. I don't think it's going to be close. I mean, that, I think they're going to finish with the worst record in the league this year. And it, it, they're going to have to figure it out. But now you've got Clayton Toon, who I did like as a prospect. Especially where he was able to get him in the draft. And um, David Blau, I mean, who's the quarterback there, right? It's, wow. it's going to be Josh Dobbs. So he's he's got experience. Yeah, he's got experience in that offense. So I think he's going to be your week one starter. But at the same point, if you're tanking, you know, if Clayton Tunes is a guy that gets ready to find out if you, you know, if you got something, I'd like to see him start a game or two before Kyler Murray comes oh, back, dude. if he comes back at all this year. So we'll see how it plays yeah. out.
0: Hey, let's move on. Last two things we're going to talk about before we get into uh, the rest of the show. And, and that's two guys that have not been in camp yet. And they're two guys that are obviously, you know, pivotal players for two teams that want to make a Super Bowl run. And that's Chris Jones of Kansas City and Nick Bosa of San Francisco. Your thoughts and more importantly of the two or, or do you think that either one of them are going to be playing week one?
1: I think Nick, Post is, Nick, Bosa, Nick Nick Bosa, I don't know why I'm having a tough time saying Nick Bosa. It's one of the easiest names in the NFL to pronounce, but I think Nick Bosa is going to be done. I think a couple hours ago there was a report that says that they're close to getting him that deal wrapped up. Defensive player of the year last season. Um, he's 25 years old. Uh, led the NFL last year 18 and a half sacks. One defensive player of the year. He's made Pro Bowl in three out of four years. The only year that he didn't in 2020, he missed all but two games. So, we know what we get with Nick Bosa and how important he is to that defense and the Niners are going to make a run. But I think that deal gets done before week one. He'll be ready to go. Chris Jones, on the other hand, that, that's a real concern if I'm Kansas City. You cannot afford to lose a guy in the middle of your defense. And they did start to move him around last year. He played a little bit of DN, um, played a little bit of five technique. And, of course, he can play in the middle. And, he, and he's, he's look, he's not a D tackle that's really good against the run, but struggles against the pass or vice versa. This guy can play. And make it happen and be very disruptive in the middle of that defense. So that's a huge loss to me for Kansas City. And there's talk now about him holding out until week eight. If he chooses to do that, he loses 1.1 million dollars a week in, in game pay. And his last comment was he's willing to do that because he's got the money and he can afford it. So that's that's the one I'd be very concerned about. And I think it'd be tough for Kansas City to make another Super Bowl run if you're not you don't have Chris Jones in the middle of that defense. As much yeah, as I want like Mahomes and Andy Reid
0: we talked about earlier with the contracts of Brock Purdy and, and rookie quarterbacks or, or quarterbacks who are on their rookie contract, what it allows that team to do. And, and you said it, you said Nick Bosa is probably going to sign before that they're able, they're going to be able to find the resources to do that. Yeah. Chris Jones, the likelihood is a little bit less when you got the type of quarterback and the type of contract that he takes. Now granted he's worth every penny, yeah. but you can yeah. see where it does kind of handcuff the teams.
1: No, absolutely. I, I think, and again, I think it's, I think it's extremely impactful for me. I'm not picking the Kansas City Chiefs to make it to win a Super Bowl if Chris Jones is not a part of that defense. You've got to be able to do. This isn't like it was. This isn't the '85 Bears, and this isn't defense wins championships. Yes, they're extremely important. You've got to be able to stop the run. You got to be able to run the football in the playoffs. But Kansas City Chiefs have proven you don't have, you don't necessarily have to run the football. When you've got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and, the, and what they can do, and they've shored up a little bit of that offensive line. But Chris Jones is extremely important to me to Kansas City. So if I was to say of the two, even if Nick Bosa was starting to hold out the same amount of time that Chris Jones was, I would say the Chris Jones deal is more impactful than the, the Nick Bosa deal. Well, but, we're going to
0: find out here real we quick. We are. Hey, let's get into it. Every year, we did this last year when we were uh, lucky enough to start the season off with the Arts and. We came out with our guys, and then we also made the NFL predictions as far as division champs, and Super Bowl champ, and then MVP and all that good stuff. So let's first get into our guys. And and we go strictly off of fantasy positions as far as on the offensive side. And I'll go first at quarterback. And my guy for this season is Jordan Love out of the Packers. I'm really excited about him getting to finally get an opportunity. You know, you got to be able to spend three years in the same system he's in playing now. And he got to do it watching one of the best quarterbacks ever in Aaron Rodgers. And if you're watch, if you watching a little bit about – excuse me, if you're watching any hard knocks, you can see the relationship that Aaron is having with Zach Wilson. And you can also – they talked about in the show how right before the start of the Packer camp, Aaron reached out to Jordan Love and kind of said, hey, man, this is finally your team. Best of luck. You got this. I believe in you. So he had – Great coaching by actual coaches and by being able to watch Aaron Rodgers. He's a former first-round pick. they moved up in the draft to select him. They believed him, and they also believed that other teams were going to take him before they had an opportunity to. And they did something they haven't done very recently, and that's really try and stack the offensive, ball, offensive side of the ball with young playmakers. In the last two seasons, they drafted Christian Watson. They drafted Romeo Dubs. They drafted Luke Musgrave and Jayden Reed this year. Coach, I like what I've seen in the preseason. I like where I was able to get them in fantasy drafts, and, and, and I'm pretty high. I feel like they might got, have something pretty good here in Jordan Love.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It's like the Green Bay Packers, man. They, they just continue to reload. You know, you did it with Brett Favre. You did it with Aaron Rodgers. You had a couple of years after slipping a little bit in the draft, and now you've got an opportunity with Jordan Love to do the same thing. I think there's a lot to be said for being able to – you know, have a quarterback and go out and get your backup maybe a year or two early and they can actually sit behind somebody that it's gonna be a Hall of Famer and, and learn from those experiences. And and, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the best in the business at understanding pre and post snap checks and and what he's doing and reading the defense. So I think there's a lot of growth that Jordan Love's had over the last couple of years underneath Aaron Rodgers. And I think with Christian Watson and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and, and you mentioned the two tight ends they brought in. Tucker Craft's another one that is the third round, you know, draft capital. I, I like Luke Musgrave, heck of an athlete. Romeo Dobbs and and, and Jaden Reed and, and Christian Watson. All of those guys have the ability to take a quick pass and make a play. All those guys have the ability to run the football on on uh, sweeps and on uh, screen, screen, screen game. So I, I like, you know, I like the pick. I think Jordan Love's going to have a good year too. I think that's a great pick. So I went, I went, uh, I did a Homer pick here and you're going to love this too, but I went Brock Purdy. You know He's going at quarterback 23, and he was 5-0 and oh as a starter in the regular season last year, won a playoff game against Dallas. Uh, he was QB 6 over that span, and in those five starts, he had 11 touchdowns, just two interceptions. If you look at the pass catchers they have in San Francisco, you've got George Kittle, very good after the catch, Devo Samuel, we know what he did when he had to play running back a little bit when I hit by injuries, very good after the catch. Brandon Ayup's got some verticality to him, really good in the intermediate to, to longer uh, passes. Uh Christian McCaffrey as an RB1, one of the best pass catching running backs in the history of the game, what he can do with the wiggle. You know, so and then you even got Jordan Mason, who's a guy that's got a little bit of wiggle if you go three. You got Elijah Mitchell, who's a guy that, that played well when he when he played over five yards carry. This is a perfect situation, a landing spot for Brock Purdy. You got thrown in the fire early. This is a guy that started all four years at Iowa State. He's got a lot of he, he was I coached in Arizona when he was playing at Perry High School out here. So I've gotten to see him grow up from high school to college to now. And the kid is just, he's the ultimate professional. He he's got a tremendous work ethic. And he had these guys against going into the game against Philly with an opportunity to take this team to a Super Bowl. And now he's had a full, he's had a full off season. Yes, he's been hurt. He's been, you know, the elbows had to get healed up, but he knew he was the guy this off season going in. And so I think that was a big deal. And now he's got a chance to hopefully he can stay healthy for 17 games. That offensive line, you got Trent Williams. The, the tackle positions are pretty solid. They're a little bit weaker up the middle. But what do you do in that scenario? Quick pass game. Let your guys make plays. Get the ball out of his hands early. Rely on Christian McCaffrey. I, I th- they only gave up seven sacks and 11 pressures, a starting unit for San Francisco, the O-line, and over 2,005 pass snaps together so this is this is an offense that's going to click under Brock Purdy so I just hope he stays healthy
0: that's the key right there can he stay healthy for 17 games because I mean he is small and, and you know yeah. he he does like to move in the pocket and manipulate and get guys open with his feet and, and I, I worry about his ability to stay healthy but no I, I love the pick and, and uh obviously San Francisco loves the pick because they just traded away a guy uh
1: they sure did
0: a lot in uh, let's move on to running back. And my, first, my running back is uh, the guy that kind of has been kind of darling on Twitter. Uh, I know you and I talked about him a lot last year on our uh, Sunday show and our Wednesday show as far as a possible waiver wire pickup. And that's uh, Jalen Warren out of the Steelers. And, and, you know, everyone likes to talk about going zero running back type of situations in drafts. And when you do that, you select wide receivers, tight end, and maybe quarterback in the first five or six rounds. And then you try and hammer running backs. If you got an opportunity and you're going zero running back and you got an opportunity to take Jalen Warren in the ninth or the tenth round, I feel like you got to do it every time. I feel like he's going to have standalone value even when Najee Harris is in the lineup. It's already been determined that he's going to be the third down back. And the limited amount of time that he came out, remember, it took him a while to kind of crack the uh, lineup a bit. That's because he was an undrafted rookie. Um, but when he got in, he carried the ball 77 times for 369 yards, five yards to carry a touchdown. But here's what I really like about him. And I love that he got 28 receptions for 214 yards. Um, it just shows that he can be in every day, all day, all, excuse me, all down back. Um, and, and I'm just big on him. I feel like his cost, you got to take him whenever you get the opportunity because if Najee goes down, he's going to be an absolute asset. And I think he's an asset even if Najee doesn't go down.
1: No, I think he's got standalone value every week. You know, as the pass catcher in that back and third down back. And I think what Kenny Pickett's doing, uh, He, I think he's – I wasn't real big on Kenny Pickett coming out. Um, I wasn't real big on the Matt Canada offense, but Matt Canada has grown as a play caller towards the end of last season. He started doing some things – Longer depth of target with the um, you know the receiving core. You bring in George Pickens, they can take the top off. Great at the contested catch. You have Deontay Johnson and, and Pat Fireman. I think you're open up, you're opening up the run lane there. They've got to stay together on the offensive line. But I, I'm also high on Jalen Warren. I think there's real opportunity there for him. And if something does happen, Najee Harris, Harrison doesn't stay healthy. Again, we don't want to hope for injuries, but Jalen Warren's a guy that can give you RB1 value for sure.
0: Who do you got at receiver, Coach? We'll let you go first on receiver.
1: Let me do my running back real quick. Oh, We skipped my running back.
0: I don't even value running backs. I don't even need to hear
1: you. (laughs) You're going anchor running back, man. Let's just just talk wide receivers. I get it, man. I love the draft strategy. So I I went Jameer Gibbs.
0: Okay.
1: He's uh, a month
0: ago.
1: Yeah, a month ago, two months ago when I was doing drafts, there's a lot more value there. I could get him in the late third round and sometimes early fourth. We've seen his ADP creep up. So he's not as much value as what you were getting before. But look, they they traded up to get him at the 12th overall pick right? He caught 104 passes in three college seasons, two at Georgia Tech, not known for throwing the ball to running backs a lot. And then it's one year at Alabama. 195 touches last season for 1,334 uh, scrimmage yards, 6.1 yards per carry, seven yards per touch. He was already running behind an NFL offensive line in Alabama, right? He's already running a pro-style offense. So uh, in 20, but if you compare it, if you look at DeAndre Swift and his time um, in Detroit, in 27 games over the last two years, he had 148 targets. That's 5.6 per game. That's projected at 95 targets over 17-game season. If you're asking me who I think is a better talent, Jameer Gibbs or DeAndre Swift, it's not close. It's Jameer Gibbs. And so now you plug him into that role, he's going to get upwards of 100 targets this year. And I think he's going to get more of that volume, even with David Montgomery there. He's going to see some volume in the run game as well. I expect him to be at you know, 200 and 220 total touches. And that's enough for me to move him into, uh, you know, RB1, low end RB1, high end RB2 territory. So I'm big on Jameer Gibbs this year.
0: How can you not be? He was so, I mean, in college, he was so excited. I've been in one Debbie draft in my career as a fantasy football player. And that was three years yeah. ago, right after his freshman season, I was able to get him the sixth, uh, with the sixth pick. Man, I've been following that guy from day one. And I, and I can't wait to see him. And I'm, I made a trade just to move up to the second pick in my home league. rookie draft to grab him just because I couldn't leave the draft without having him. Um, I've got a lot
1: of shares of him, man. I love him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wide receiver, where are you going with wide receiver, Coach?
1: So I went um, – so this was tough. I mean, there's a minor St. Brown, but his ADP is moving up so much now that I didn't want to go there. I felt like that was too much jock. Same thing with Garrett Wilson, with Aaron Rodgers. Those are certainly my guys. I love Calvin Ridley, Christian Watson, Brandon Cooks, so I think at it, it, – the value is really good with those guys too. And I think they're all going to have a good year this year, but I went Deontay Johnson. I'll buy the dip. He's going at wide receiver 32. He finished at wide receiver eight in 2021. Um, I think the combo of Mitchell Trubisky starting the season last year and Kenny Pickett being on his rookie year has a lot to do with his lack of performance, especially not being able to find the end zone last year. This is a guy in 2020 and 2021 that scored 15 touchdowns. So last year is an outlier. It's not going to be the norm. So, DJ's averaged 153 targets and 94 grabs per season over the last three years. He's an elite route runner that can win the line of scrimmage. And I think what a lot of people don't realize about Deontay Johnson. I think they look at the size and say slot guy, or he's a Z that plays off line of scrimmage. I think it was like 70% of his snaps on reception perception that Matt Harmon does a phenomenal job with. He lines up with the X receiver and he's on the line of scrimmage. He's got a complete toolbox of release moves, very difficult to get hands on him. So he wins at the short to intermediate areas of the field he finished in the 84th or better percentile in press coverage against man coverage and against zone coverage. He was 84th percentile or better in those three areas. So this is a guy that's going to get back to, um, you know, low low wide receiver one or uh, high wide receiver two territory with the potential to be a wide receiver one. I think he's going to be at 140 plus targets this year.
0: You know, if you would ask me a month or two months ago if I was interested in anybody other than Jalen Warren, um, on that offense, I probably would have told you no. But after watching in the preseason, seeing the development of the picket, seeing how Pickens is doing what he does, Pickens is going to open up the middle of the field for Deontay Johnson a heck of a lot. I like it, and I'm really – I'm kind of looking forward to actually – Pickens
1: is another one I like.
0: I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Pittsburgh. I, I'm kind of uh, – you know, I don't know why I should be surprised you We're looking at an organization that has been run so well – for so many years, they have an incredible coach. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that pick. Let's move on to uh, wide receiver, Coach. Uh, now you went; That was your wide receiver, so I'll go with mine. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we already know what he's done in the past. But I love Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I, I can't help but uh, pick him as my guy. I feel like the offense that he's going to is going to suit his skill set perfectly. He's got a quarterback that, I mean, they're already you – know, you have not heard – anything negative come out about Calvin Ridley since he's joined that organization. Um, He made a little gambling uh, mistake last year while he was injured and and all that other stuff. We know about all the stuff in the past, but let's not forget the year that he had in 2020, Had over 1,300 yards receiving nine touchdowns. Um, The guy is just a incredible route runner. Um, I love what they're going to be able to do. do with him in that office i think you're going to if you're a fantasy manager you'd be pretty damn happy if you got ridley on your team this year
1: yeah i I tell you what and and, you know i have a friend of mine that was a wide receiver coach in jacksonville last year so uh, he didn't get a chance to work with Ridley, uh, really because the whole situation over there much but um he's an absolute stud man he's a beast there's a clip on youtube i think it was and i saw it of of zay jones running a route one-on-ones right which is the best period for wide receivers and, and corners i used to love we got to do one on ones against the DBs, but Zay Jones runs a route. I think it was a comeback route and does a phenomenal job and looks good, right? Wins, creates outside space, throws on time, looks good. Calvin really goes up and gets the next rep, same route. And I'm telling you, there was a vast difference in the explosiveness coming in and out of their cuts from Zay Jones, who's a guy that had a pretty darn good year last year in that offense with Trevor Lawrence. And it really, just brings a whole different dimension to that offense. So I'm very high on Trevor Lawrence this year. I'm very high on that offense. I'm excited to see what those guys do. I'm excited to see what. really So I just got him. Shout out to Brad Starks over at Roto Lounge. I do his bourbon ball every year, and uh, I just had right before he we went on to do the podcast. I was sitting there at the 4.1, and Calvin Ridley was sitting there, and, and it was a no-brainer for me to take that guy early in the fourth round. When he's going in some drafts, you know, mid round three. So I'll take the value there for sure.
0: Love it, love it. Alex Johnson here, a few of his guys. And if you follow Alex, you know he's been talking about these guys the whole time. Oh, yeah. Love um, Rashawn Alex. Rashawn White, obviously a big guy. I think he was your running back five in the class at Arizona State. Rashawn Johnson. I love Rashawn Johnson, but by, but but a guy who's got a lot of Khalil Herbert. I hope Rashawn takes a year or two before he fully takes over the backfield. And Jay Reed, I've already talked a little bit about him. I love Jay Reed. Uh, he's pretty much had that slot receiver position locked up since the first day of camp uh coming out of michigan state um he's a great player i'm really excited about what he can do and we've already talked about jordan love i think Jaden reed's going to be very much like a security blanket in the middle of the field and able to uh kind of give an easy target for jordan love so love those picks alex uh let's move on to tight end Why don't you go first on your tight end coach
1: so I took, you know, I've got Pat Firemouth, Dalton Schultz, Juwan Johnson, Luke Musgrave. Those are all guys that I'm high on, honorable mention. But the guy I wanted to focus on was is Darren Waller. Now, again, a month ago, two months ago, I got a lot more value with Darren Waller. You know, as soon as he was traded to the Giants, like he instantly, to me, becomes the number one target, target hog in that offense and a Brian Dable offense with, with Daniel Jones, who who showed a lot of progression last year as a quarterback there. But I love Darren. If you look at the receiver group, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, they're all the same guys. The only guy that's that's different is Jalen Hyatt, right? He's got a little bit more verticality to him. He's a high-end speed guy. But you look at Darren Waller, he wins at all three levels of the field. He can play in line. Uh, The Raiders used to like to line him up at H-back, right, to get free releases. But Darren Waller can win. He can win on the outside. He can win in the slot. He can win you know, in line. So I, I'm huge on him. I get the cons. He's missed 14 games over the last two years. But if you look at 2019 and 2020, 262 targets, 197 grabs, 2,341 yards and 12 touchdowns. In 11 games in 2022 before the injury at eight and a half targets per game, five grabs, 60 yards a game. That projects 145 targets over thousand yards receiving. And you're getting him at the tight end five right now. And he was going in some drafts. I was able to get him in round five and round six. Tight end premium, you're going to have to pay a little bit more than that. But you're starting to see him now creep up into that round four. Guys that want to make sure they're getting a, you know, a top tier tight end, especially in tight end premium leagues or half point PPR leagues. You're starting to see him creep up a little bit. But I'm, I'm real big on Darren Waller this year. I think he leaves that entire team in, in, in targets and receptions this year. And then it's going to come down to what how, how, how often that team can get in the red zone and be relevant. So...
0: I think they're going to get there a lot, Coach. I'm really high on the New York Giants. And uh, I know as a Dallas Cowboys fan, you know, that's a tough division. No, I get it. I get it. That division is very tough. Um, And and I think that he was – if they weren't able to address the receivers and listening to the receivers you just listed off, they weren't able to address the receivers. Uh, Darren Waller was perfect for them. And the only issue you brought it up was his health. If he can stay healthy, I'll tell you what – there's a lot of people talking about he could be tight in two. You know, tight in one seems a little bit much with Kelsey. But I'll tell you, with the guys that he's got around him that are other pass catchers, Darren Waller looks really nice to me as well. Uh, my guy's a little bit different. My guy's funny. The guy that made Darren Waller, or maybe Darren Waller made him, um, but when Darren Waller in all his great years, it was always with Derek Carr. And now yeah. Derek Carr moves on to New Orleans. And I really like their fourth-year tight end, Jawan Johnson. Last year, Jawan Johnson had 42 receptions for 508 yards and seven touchdowns. He was a hog in the end zone area, and what I love about him is he's uh, going into his fourth year. Is from day one since Derek has been there, all he's talked about is the relationship the two of them have. Talked about how he can't believe that he was able to come into a situation with a tight end like that. And I say why that means a lot to me is that he's already shown the uh, he's already shown. That he loves throwing the tight ends. With what he had with Waller, I think where you can get Jawan Johnson, and we just you and our drafting right now as the coach approach. And Jawan Johnson went in the eleventh round. If I can get a, if I can pass on tight end and wait all the way to the eleventh to get a guy like Jawan Johnson, I'm doing it every time because I really feel like he's going to have a great year this year.
1: Yeah, I think, and you hit it on the head. You know, and I can promise you. Derek Carr spending some time with Juwan Johnson and talk about the things that made Darren Waller and that Raiders offense special. Uh, how he attacks stems, how he attacked linebackers, how he attacked safeties. You know, he's a guy that that has an opportunity to be relevant. And now you take Michael Thomas, you know, Mr. Slant, whatever you want to call him. And then you add Chris Olave. You know, those are some guys that, that can make some things happen. There's gonna be a lot of room to operate for Juwan Johnson in this offense because of those two guys on the outside.
0: Love it. Thank you for a little bit of confirmation. Um, you ready? You ready to move on to the part that I think it's funny because uh, did you pick Kansas City winning the Super Bowl last year? I did. You did? Yeah, I did. Oh, on our show because I went back and watched it.
1: Not on our show. I didn't know. I probably didn't pick Kansas City until halfway through the year. Who did I? Yeah, who did yeah. I pick last year? I don't even remember you picked who I picked.
0: Philadelphia. You picked oh, I did pick Philadelphia. Philadelphia. You picked Philadelphia.
1: I was a year. Uh, so I was a year said- too early.
0: There we go. Well, this is the show where we make our predictions for both the uh, division winners and also the Super Bowl while also making our picks on who we think we're going to be the award winners when it's all said and done. Um, I, I didn't put a lot of stuff down. I kind of want to go through this quickly. Feel free to add or, or or tell me why I'm an idiot or why you're the smartest guy around when it comes up to your turn. But we're going to start off with the most important division in your uh your eyes and that's the nfc nfc east and i gotta tell you i can't not last year i went with the dallas cowboys and you kind of it was so weird because i went with the cowboys you went with the eagles yeah. um, but this year we're going to flip flop or at least i'm flip flopping i'm going with philadelphia what howie roseman's been able to do every off season uh, a he's no longer doing it with a rookie quarterback contract he now gave Jalen Hurts the big money. But despite that, he was still able to bring in guys. He still was able to maneuver the draft so that he was able to get a guy like Jalen Carter. He was still able to bring in DeAndre Swift for, like, a fourth-round pick while during the draft. Um, What he is able to do and surround himself with the type of talent that team has, it's hard for me not to pick Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, it's – you know, there's a stat. I think it's 2003-2004, if I remember correctly. is the last time anybody in the NFC's won back-to-back titles, and that was the Eagles. Um, so they've won it last year. So odds tell you that it's not supposed to happen this year, right? I'm a Cowboy fan, so I feel like I should turn the hat around for this one, but I do have Philly Green on. It's Philadelphia. I mean, they, they've got the, in my opinion, they've got the best roster in the NFL. Howie Roseman should win GM of the year. For I don't know how many years in a row. The fact that you were able to get into Kobe Dean, Jalen Carter has some of the stuff that happens pre-draft, so he drops. you end up getting Jalen Carter. You add that to a defense that's already stacked and loaded. You lose uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. all you do is come in and you replace him. You've still got the corners, you still got you're still very good up front. The offensive lines, on of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, you bring in Rashad Penny. Right, we can go on, on, on. Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, like they're they're so good and so loaded, and that is a team. And then you have Jalen Hurts. They've got the play on on fourth and one, or you know, if it's it's you know goal line, you're going to put Jay, Jalen Hurts. You're going to run the scrum. Nobody can stop it. I, I just don't see how anybody. Now, I, you could say this. You could say Dallas finds a way to sneak out the division title, but the reality is, when it comes playoff time. Philadelphia got to sit there and, and watch you know, Kansas City celebrate last year. And, and that, to me, is a very, very good motivator to get that far. At the end of the day, nobody cares or remembers who lost the Super Bowl. You remember who won the Super Bowl. So that motivation that Philly has going on this year is, I, I think, is extremely high. And Howie Roseman continues to just reload every offseason. He's been very smart in the draft. And I, it's it's Philadelphia. I mean, I, I hate to sit here and spend five minutes talking up the one team that I hate more than anybody, but the reality is I can be subjective <laughs> for the podcast, and it's Philadelphia for sure.
0: That's a tough division, though, because we already talked about the Giants. Washington, Sam Howell looked great last week. Um, yeah. you, you never know. I mean, it, it's going to be a fun season in the NFC East. Let's move on to the NFC South, and this might be the weakest division. You've got a lot of uh, – Young quarterbacks, and, and for that reason, I'm taking New Orleans. I, I like, and it's not just because I'm a Fresno State guy. Maybe it's a little bit, but whatever. We'll move on from that. Um, but I, but I like Derek Carr. I like what they've all. That's that's a That's another organization that has always been solid. I like where they're at defensively. Kamara's going to be out a couple games, but I like bringing in Jamal Williams for the role that he's going to have. I think the development of Kendra Miller, you may not see much from him early on, but I feel like he's going to have a role later on in the season. And and just for the quarterback alone, i got the Saints winning it.
1: Yeah, I've got the Saints winning it too. And look, it's the return of Michael Thomas, the rising star in Chris Olave. We just touched on all the weapons they have on offense. Let's not forget, this defense is pretty stout too. This defense year in and year out, and they've got a very soft schedule. I took the Saints defense. I'm not a guy that loves drafts with – kickers and defenses but some of these home leagues i can't get these guys convinced to no. to get rid 30 of it years so, I
0: we're still doing yeah that.
1: but i took the saints and almost every every redraft that had a defense i was able to wait let everybody else take the cowboys and the niners and the eagles early while i loaded up my bench and i'll take the saints because they've got a soft schedule all the way through week nine and at that point i can kind of pick and choose and play the waiver wire but yeah i think the saints for the team in that division and i think atlanta is doing some good things i'm still not a big arthur smith guy but you can't question the run game and what he was able to do with Cordell Patterson. And now you have John Robinson. I think Atlanta's another year or two away. they just got too many holes to fill. Carolina has got the rookie quarterback, and they've got some changes that they made there. And Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield is, is is going to be abysmal this year. So I think it's going to be New Orleans for sure.
0: All right, hey, let's move on to the NFC West. And, and, I, and I went a different direction. I'm not saying that you went any direction, but I didn't pick San Francisco, and I picked Seattle. I'll tell you, two years ago. In fact, it was it wow. wasn't two years ago. It was last year. We were sitting there, and we thought they picked Geno Smith over – We can, I, I watched the show today. We picked. We felt like with them picking Geno Smith over Locke that they were tanking, so to speak, for a Bryce Young or for a quarterback this year. Um, and the reality is is that – and then looking back, we should never thought John Snyder or – Pete Carroll would even be the type of person that would want to take and do something like that because they came out and they played pretty damn good football. They've been able to address the defensive line, or excuse me, the defensive side of the ball. They have a philosophy. Their philosophy is to run it down your throats, beat you the play action pass. They address running back position with Rashad Penny being hurt year after year. They got Kenneth Walker in the second round last year. He had a little bit of injury bug. But again, we talk about the philosophy change in the NFL when it comes to running backs. So this year they take another running back in the second round. And I
1: like
0: like him a lot. I like both those guys and they're different. Um, And I think they're both. We talk about standalone value. I think they're both going to have standalone value throughout the whole year. Um, I had no issues taking Zach Charbonnet when I was on the clock and it was his turn to take him. Uh, Kenny Walker didn't scare me at all I feel like both of them are gonna have standalone value um I just like Seattle I, I took Seattle
1: yeah I think it's a great pick I mean you look at that offense adding Jackson Smith and Jigba to Tyler Lockett who, yeah. yeah who is who is underappreciated every year all Tyler Lockett does is come and put up numbers and he outperforms DK Metcalf but then you have DK Metcalf, who's still a young guy, still kind of growing into his own there. But, yeah, I mean, Gino, he, he resurrected his career, and he'll tell you he should have been a starter, you know, long before he came to Seattle. He's never got the opportunity. But I, I didn't go to Seattle, but I think that's a great pick, and I absolutely can see a scenario where Seattle wins that division. I went San Francisco for all the reasons we talked about with Brock Purdy and that roster and where we're at. I think Nick Post's, Nick Post's deal gets done. So I'm going with San Francisco simply because it's just a better roster, and I think I think Mike Shanahan's extremely fired up, or Kyle Shanahan's extremely fired up, fired up right now about how last season ended with Brock Purdy getting hurt and then Trey Lance getting hurt, and then Purdy having to go back in, and all he could do was hand the ball off against Philadelphia in the, in the playoff game. So San Francisco's fired up. You know, I think they're going to come out and win that division, but I think Seattle makes the playoffs.
0: Let's move on to the NFC North. And this is a, a division that no longer has Aaron Rodgers in it. Yep. Um, you, you kind of thought, you know, the way Minnesota's been, they won 13 games last year with Kirk Cousins' is back. But they, they kind of made a lot of moves that kind of made it look like they were almost getting ready for a rebuild, uh, walking away from Dalvin Cook, walking away from Smith who moved on to Greener uh, Pastures, so to speak. And so for that reason – I'm going with the Detroit Lions. I feel like what Dan Campbell showed at the end of the year uh, with that team, I feel like they've done great things on both sides of the ball. They took that Matthew Stafford trade. They got a great uh, couple first-round picks out of it, and they were also able to keep moving along with Jared Goff. Jared Goff has done enough for them to make them not have to make a move at quarterback, which has allowed them to get a better roster and if there was ever a year for the Detroit Lions to finally win it,
1: it's this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I was not a big fan of the Dan Campbell hire, you know, when they brought him on because lack of experience as a coach, he's never been a coordinator, but his, what he brings to that locker room and just being tough as nails and a guy that you just, you, you want to root for. Um, I, I took Detroit too. I, I think it comes down to Detroit, Minnesota. I think green Bay can be relevant um, just because I think they're well coached, but, I I, neither one of these guys can play defense, you know, between Detroit and Minnesota, but you know, Detroit I think has done more to improve on that side of the ball, but they have a top five offensive line. That's also young. Uh, I I think it's Detroit. I I think what they do there offensively and what they can do in that division, I think Detroit's going to, it's king of the jungle, right? I think it's the lions for me too. So we, we agree on that one.
0: Let's move on to uh, the AFC, which is probably the tougher uh, conference. Um, In fact, yeah, it's as tough as a conference I think it's ever been. Um, and let's start off with a real tough division and that's the AFC East. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and go first. And, and I took Miami. Um, you know, the only concern I have about Miami is whether or not Tua can play all 17 games or even 15, 16. Um, but other than that, I feel like they've done a great job getting that team ready to go. I don't know what it is um, with Buffalo, uh, I think some teams uh, just can't get over the hump. I feel I have all the belief in the world in Josh Allen, but the way they lost last year, um, the way they've lost the last few years yeah. what it's mattered the mo- most, that kind of takes a toll on you after a while. I, and, and for that, and for other reasons, for what Miami has been able to do both in the draft and with moves they've made, I'm going with Miami.
1: Yeah, look, hey, it's not a bad pick. And this is a division I've looked at. I I didn't
0: even mention the Jets.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at it and you go, and my my comment I have is not so fast, Mr. Rogers. I mean, he dominated the NFC North for a long time. Now you move to the AFC East with Miami and New England and the run that they went on. And Bill Belichick's always going to make that team somewhat relevant and competitive Mm -hmm. week in and week out. I went Buffalo Bills just simply because. You know, Josh Allen, I think, is an X factor there. I love what, you know, bringing in James Cook. I think what he's going to be able to do this year in that offense is being a little bit more of that RB1 and the usage he has had in the preseason. Again, we talked about the utilization chart that they have where my fantasy life that Dwayne McFarland's done a phenomenal job with. But I I just think it's Buffalo. I think they're extremely motivated. It's a little upset and, you know, frustrating to see Von Miller is going to miss the first part of the season. But I think the Buffalo Bills, the end of the deal, are going to be there. I think the Jets are another year away. And I think they've got to add a few more pieces, but I, it's hard. It's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers, but we're in the same division as, as uh, Buffalo with Josh Allen. I think it's a little different deal. So I, I think it's Buffalo for me.
0: There you go. I can't even really argue it on the fact that I just did a few minutes ago. Let's move on to the AFC West and the AFC West. I mean, for me, i anybody can, you on
1: AFC South or West,
0: I'm going West. So if you yeah. had differently there, switch it up. Uh, AFC West, I got Kansas city. I can't not pick them until Herbert can show that he can beat Kansas City consistently and do it over a 17-game season. So it's Kansas City for me.
1: Yeah, I never vote against my Mahomie, right? So it's go. Kansas City for me too. And I, the L.A. Chargers a couple of years ago going to that season before they lost for Sean Slater, and I felt like the, the Chargers had a great roster. And we saw what Austin Eckler did last year. I do think Kellen Moore – is going to be great for Justin Herbert. He did it in Dallas. Where he, they were consistently a top-five offense, top-ten offense in the NFL, put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. But Dellen Moore has struggled in playoff games to to call you know good games. Sometimes he, have a t- t- he has a tough time with in-game adjustments. I think it's Kansas City. As long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are healthy and they're playing. Now, earlier in the show, we talked about Chris Jones. Again, I'm going to say if Chris Jones is going to hold out as long as it sounds like he might, then I think that's going to be a little bit tougher. But I think once they get in the playoff run and Chris Jones is back at some point, I just I have a hard time seeing anybody going on to Arrowhead. They've got to win that division. they got to get home field advantage. I think they make another Super Bowl run. But as long as those guys are there, man, it's Kansas City Chiefs for me. I don't know where Brett went, but we lost him. So I'll start out with uh, AFC South. We've got the... Uh, I want Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I, I don't see, and I think they run away with it. Um, as much as a job as I think Mike Vrabel does with Tennessee, uh, I don't trust the quarterback situation there, um, even though they brought in DeAndre Hopkins. You've got Traylon Burks, who's been battling some injuries off and on since he's entered the NFL. So I, I don't see that as, as a th- real threat. I think Indianapolis has got a lot of holes to fix. We know the Jonathan Taylor situation. Houston's in rebuild mode completely. So to me, it's Ridley's, believe it or not. It, it's... It's Jacksonville. I think they've they've loaded up on the offensive side of the ball. Christian Kirk coming off a career year. Uh, Zay Jones played well last year. Evan Ingram is definitely serviceable as a tight end. Had a had a breakout year last year for him after having a couple down years with the Giants. So I think that Trevor Lawrence takes a big step this year in solidifying himself as a potential top five and, and a future franchise quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going Jacksonville.
0: Coach, sorry I had to take off. I had to knock. Oh, you're all right. I had a knock at the door. I go open it, and there's a car accident right outside my house. Nice. So, uh, one of the, one of the uh, parties in the accident is using my phone. Um, I hope they leave it here when they leave. All right, hey, so you're yeah. talking AFC South. Yep. We're both on the same page here. Jacksonville, I, I was really impressed with the way they came back, the fortitude that they showed in that game with the L.A. Chargers in the playoffs. Uh, I'm all on board. I, I, I'm excited because you like to see – Good young talent. People talk about generational talent when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. You'd like to see that actually come to fruition, and it looks like they got a good thing going there yeah, with Jacksonville. Let's move on to the uh, AFC North. And AFC North, we, we I mean, you got Baltimore. You know, they just re-upped good old Lamar. They brought in some receiver help. You've got – we've already talked about Pittsburgh – Still, or Pittsburgh looking much better offensively in the preseason. We know what they have on the defensive side. Um, But despite all that, I I still have to go with Cincinnati. I feel like this is, if you're from Cincinnati, you had good gears periodically with, you know, Carson Palmer, uh, a little bit with Andy Dalton, but they really got something here with Joe Burrow. I expect Joe Burrow to get his big money contract within the next week or two. And I expect Cincinnati to continually compete for the AFC North championship. I got them winning it this year.
1: Yeah, I've got Cincinnati too. And look, I think this is a a, a very balanced division. I mean, it it's a tough it's a tough division. I like what Baltimore has done with getting the Lamar deal done. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards appear to be healthy coming into the season. You add Zay Flowers, so I'm very very high on. Rashad Bateman now back from the foot injury. You add in Odell Beckham. Uh there's some opportunities there with Mark Andrews. So I think from an offensive perspective, we're going to see Baltimore put up a lot of points and we're going to see that offense be re- very relevant. Pittsburgh, we talked about Cleveland, I think, in the run game with Nick Chubb. Finally, you know, cream Hunt's not there. We're going to I think Nick Chubb has a chance to lead the NFL in rushing. But again, NFL rushing leaders don't don't win Super Bowls. And I think Deshaun Watson's still got a lot of A lot of things he's got to work on. He didn't look great in the preseason, in my opinion. So, to me, it's it's Joe Burrow. It's Cincinnati Bengals. We agree on that one.
0: All right. Hey, let's just get through this uh, NFL Super Bowl champ real quick. And for me, um, it's Philadelphia. I think they – you know, I did have Seattle early. uh, But then I thought, you know what, come on. Slow down there, Chester. Let's not get too overboard. Uh, But, you know, I I think Philadelphia puts it up at the end of the year. What about you,
1: I've got the Eagles too. Man, we were we only had two divisions that were different. We both picked the same Super Bowl champion. So yeah, I think it's as loaded as the AFC is, I just feel like the way that Philadelphia plays, it's it's what they do offensively and defensively is so relative to how football is played in the playoffs. It's smash mouth football. Um, they they can they can wreak havoc in the trenches, like I don't think anybody else in the NFL can on both sides of the ball. So it's Philadelphia for me too.
0: All right. Hey, let's quickly move on to the NFL award winners last year. Uh, you know, we did the same show. So here we go. First and foremost, MVP. Uh, we talked about the AFC West and while I'll always will pick Kansas City Chiefs to win it. That's because of Patrick Mahomes. Same thing with the MVP for me. I, I, it's hard for me. First and foremost, it's a quarterback award, whether that's right or wrong. It's just the way it's kind of been over the last, you know, few years. And uh, for that reason, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes.
1: So I, I think I think it's a five-man race. And I think it's – you've got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Those are the obvious top three quarterbacks, right? And I think you could throw Joe Burrow in the mix. But my other two, Justin Jefferson, I think this could be the year he goes over 2,000 yards uh, receiving and breaks the NFL record. And then you've got, I think, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy for 17 games and get back to, you know, what he does and what he did in that San Francisco offense since the time he's arrived in San Francisco, Um, I think there's an outside chance there too. But I want Jalen Hurts. I, I I think if you win that division, which is a tough division, we talked about that, the NFC least is now NFC beast. It's one of the toughest divisions in football. You come out of there with a division championship, and you run, you run and you make a playoff run. I get it's a regular season award. It's it's awarded before the Super Bowl. But I think Jalen Hurts gets the MVP this year. I think he's going to put up the rushing numbers. He's going to give you the touchdowns on the ground. And I think he's going to continue to take another step, as big of a step as he took last year. I think he continues to progress in the passing game. So I, I want Jalen Hurts for MVP.
0: There you go. Now, you mentioned five guys. I'm giving way too know.
1: much love to the Eagles for a Cowboys fan. Man. I know. Well, you is.
0: all learned great tonight. So I can be, can be subjective. Can- yeah. You are wearing green tonight. Um, Who's your offensive player of the year? Does it come from one of those five people you just mentioned?
1: You would think so, but I left one out. Uh, Justin Herbert. I think in a Kellen Moore offense, I think he throws over 5,000 yards. I think you've got, you know, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer. You've got Gerald Everett, I think he's underrated. You've got Austin Eckler, you know, who's also had some contract situations. I think he continues to have. And he said in an interview, and I loved it. They were asking him what he thinks he's going to do this year, and he says, I think I'm going to score – 20-plus touchdowns. I don't know that I'm going to believe that hype, but he's a guy that could certainly do it. He's proven he can can be a guy that can score not only on the ground but through the air. But I think Justin Herbert's going to have one of those years this year offensively if he can get the the completion percentage up. I think Justin Herbert has a chance to have a special year, so I've got him down as Offensive Player of the Year.
0: I like it. As an L.A. guy, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of either the Rams or the Chargers. But I love when there's good football in my own backyard. So I'd love to see that. Uh, let's move on off. And for me, my offensive player, you already did mention him. I think 17 games for CMC in San Francisco. Yeah. You, know, you look at what he did in 2019 in Carolina. Now he's got better players around him. Uh, I, for me, it's CMC. I'm excited. I want to see him be able to stay. As, much as, possibility. Love, as much as I love Jordan Mason, <laughs> I, I hope I never – have the opportunity to play him just because I want to see CMC what's do what CMC does yeah, defensive yeah. player of the year for me. I'll go first. Um, I'm going TJ. Watt. I feel like we talked about what they've done offensively on the defensive side of the ball, man. He is just, uh, who would have thought what a family, huh? Because yes. he, I don't think that anybody thought that he can live up to his brother's uh, type of play, but He's done it, and, and I think he'll continue to do it. And I saw where, uh, you know, Pat McAfee offered him $500,000. He said, I'll, if you break this single-sack season record, I'm going to give you $500,000. So uh, there's extra added motivation, but it's T.J. Watt for me. Well,
1: that's where Jerry Jones needs to step up and tell Micah Parsons, I'll give you $500,001.
0: There you go, right. whatever it he's, takes.
1: He certainly can afford it. I'll, I'll let you borrow the yacht for a weekend. But I went Micah Parsons, so just to finally get to pick a Dallas Cowboy. But There you go. I mean, hey, I think he's going to have 20-plus sacks. He's already put on a little bit of weight. He's playing almost – playing a lot more at the defensive end position. He's Hey, there's there's clips, and there's more than one. He took Tyron Smith, who's a future NFL Hall of Famer, and 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 got underneath his armpit, gave him a, a punch shot, and and knocked him on his ass, and he's done it repeatedly – in camp with with anybody and everybody and, and Dak prescott has come out and said it is an absolute nightmare facing that guy when it's ones versus the ones in skelly uh or 11 on 11 in dallas right now and in camp it it, it was absolutely miserable and you saw clip after clip after clip where Dak prescott had to step up he had to roll out and he had to do something because micah parsons was in his face i think he's going to have a special year this year
0: love it he was your rookie of the year a couple years ago and he's uh, done nothing it. but continue to get better. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Rocky, rookie offensive player of the year. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say much about him. We've been talking, you talk about that Debbie draft I did three years ago where I was able to get Gibbs at six. Well, B. John Robinson went one and B. John Robinson is going to go one as far as running backs go for a long time. So for me, it's B. John Robinson. Can't wait to finally see him. I did pick New Orleans to win the uh, NFC South, but I'll tell you what, I have no, I have no biased opinion on any of that. If Atlanta, if we got something to Desmond Ritter and that offense clicks and they're able to compete, that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it is. And and I went with John Robinson. It's the Homer pick, right? Another player I got to watch in high school out here at Tucson South Point, um, South Point Catholic. He he's an absolute stud. So watching what he did in Texas as a freshman, and then of course when you got his first two years of, of being the guy, where his first year he was kind of splitting some time, but it's with John Robinson. We took him as the eighth overall pick, right? So or was it fourth I can't even remember what the pick was now. I get him in Kyle Pitts mixed up and where they went, but it's with John Robinson. I, I I don't even think it's going to be close as far as the, if he stays healthy, he's going to get 300 plus touches. He's going to give you 50 to 60 grabs. He's, he could lead the NFL in rushing. That is one thing Arthur Smith can do. He knows how to run the football. So if they can have a lead in games, manage the clock, keep the games close, you're going to see a lot of John Robinson.
0: Who's your? Yeah, I can't wait. I want to see a lot of Bijan Robinson. That's why we play this game is to see players like that. Um, I, I can't wait. They talk about they throw out generational too much, but to me, he's generational. Uh, rookie defense player of the year. Who do you like, Coach?
1: I want Will Anderson. Uh, he's so disruptive, and he, he 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 can line up anywhere. He can play multiple positions. He's an He wreaks havoc. So I, to me, it was an easy choice. I, I think there's other other guys you can you could take a look at there, but I want Will Anderson.
0: You and I are in the same boat for a lot of the same reasons. My only concern is going to get kind of lost in a yeah. season that I think they're going to struggle. Um, and for me, if I know that I'm going to struggle this upcoming year, I don't know if I'm selling my 2024 pick to move up to get a Will Anderson. I love Will Anderson. I just don't know if that was the best decision for them. But without being, with that being said, the guy is just so you say disruptive. He's so strong, so physical, and so athletically gifted. Uh, it's Will Anderson for me as well. Coach, Nice. we got through show one. We did. Piece we of cake, did. man. We did. Piece hey, I appreciate – I know Coach does as well. Appreciate everyone who's come in and had comments. Again, to go over our show lineup, every Wednesday from here on out up until the Super Bowl, will be on at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, we always focus on the news of the week injuries because unfortunately we kind of avoided some during the preseason, but they're going to be coming. So we'll talk about injuries and who you need to try and pick up and waiver wires. Uh, and we'll also have a few guests on Wednesdays, Yeah. Sunday mornings. We're going to go at 7 30 AM. That's Pacific standard time, 10 30 on the East coast. We'll have your start sit DFS, DFS player prop bets and game predictions. Coach. I can't wait to really get going next week. Uh, week when we actually get to turn on the TV all day, Thursday, all day, Sunday and Monday
1: nights. You got it, man. I've already got plans for opening night. You know, Cowboys open up against the giants at 520 uh, for the primetime game on Sunday night. And I'll have people over at the house. My wife will be and uh, a couple other gals that are coming over. going to get a spread going for all the husbands and we're going to sit there. We're going to drink a lot of bourbon and watch a lot of football. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It's about time. I, I gave my wife my two week notice. Basic there you go. You saw that, hey, today a, as well, huh? Yeah, as my two week notice last week, just to say the yeah. NFL is getting ready to start. Here's my two week notice as your husband on uh, every Sunday moving forward. But no, go. she's hey, shout out to the wives that, that allow us and give us the time to do a show that, that we love and, and give a couple ex-coaches a chance to get on here and talk football.
0: There you go. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Coach, appreciate you more than I could ever tell you. We'll see you all guys next week.